Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. John chapter 2 is where I want to begin reading. On the third day was the wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples, notice this, were invited to the wedding. And they ran out of wine, and the mother of Jesus said to them, said to him, they have no wine. In verse 6, now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing about 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the waters, water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim, and he said, draw some now. Take it to the master or the governor of the feast. It's important. When the governor or the dignitary of the whole community tasted it, the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said, every man at the beginning of a party sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then he brings the inferior you have kept the good wine until now. One translation said, you've kept the good wine until last. This was the beginning of the signs of miracles that Jesus did in Cana. I want to talk to you about this story in the New Testament, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. And I believe it's a picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do for every person under the sound of my voice. If I had a title, I would call this what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. Because he really has, he really has sustainable joy no matter what you go through in life. I'm going to prove it to you in the scripture. In the Hebrew culture, it was very uh, normal for marriage to be more than a ceremony of ritual and kind of you know, just just something that you do for about an hour like we have wedding ceremonies now. It was a huge part of the Hebrew culture that they would turn it into an event. They lived in small villages. The whole village would turn out. People would come. Nobody in the town would probably hardly be excluded. It would be a huge celebration. It would go on for days. In the story of the uh, ten virgins, in the New Testament, it was a party that was going on for days. And you read this throughout the scripture. And it was very much so happening on this occasion. You could not just have a legal ceremony, a transaction, some sober, somber, legalistic thing. That was not a marriage in the Hebrew culture and still isn't to this day. But it was a party and Jesus was invited to the party. He had not yet begun his miracle ministry. He had performed no signs, no wonders. The first thing that he did that would initiate the first miracle that would start and lay the foundation for every other thing, including our salvation, would begin not in a temple, not in a church, but at a wild party. Jesus was invited to the party, and what got me is holy, sanctified Jesus accepted the invitation to a wild party. 
They invited him and he went to the party. I could just see in my mind Jesus getting dressed and he comes out and he's all decked out and the disciples said, where are we going, Jesus? We're going to synagogue. We're going to church. We're going to pray for the multitude. You're going to do a new teaching up on the boulder over there on the mountain. What, what are we going to do? No, we're going to a party. <laughs> and when he got there, there was, the Bible doesn't, doesn't, fit little Christians' religious minds all the time. When he got there, there was a huge celebration going on. Everybody who was anybody was there. The Bible makes it clear that the governor or the, 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 the people who were most famous and known, perhaps the, the, the dignitaries we would call them, they were at the head table. All of the important people, all of the invited guests, the governor of that region, powerful people, wealthy people, people who had the best of everything, they were sitting at the table of honor. What's strange about it is they didn't even know who they had invited to the party. They thought the guest of honor were at the table of honor, but the guest of honor, the real, the way, the truth, and the life was out in the midst of the party on the dance floor, standing around while people were backing it up and, and hooping and hollering and having the biggest party you've ever seen. And Jesus got right in the middle of it. And they didn't even know he was there. Isn't it funny how you can be in the presence of God and not get the benefits of God until circumstances arise that only God can handle? Sometimes God allows circumstances to come into our life to bring a new awareness that we need Him, that He's there. He could be there and we treat Him like somebody, I'll, don't call me, I'll call you, until we need a miracle. Isn't it funny how something can happen and all of the sudden you need Him? And when you need Him, you develop an appetite for Him. God has a way of allowing life to bring us to a point and circumstances to come in our life to where we just really need Him. That all the stuff that was entertaining us and all the stuff that had our attention and all the stuff that we thought would make us happy and give us what we want, somehow, somehow it's not enough. Nobody was praying at the party. Just folks dancing, just folks drinking, just folks having a huge celebration. And right in the midst of celebration and partying, God knows how to get a generation's attention. He was there at the party. It ought to make us shudder. It ought to make us tremble to think, of the times that Jesus was there when we were doing things and we were in places and we were involved in situations and He was there all the time quietly observing, not condemning us, just watching us do our own thing, mock His name, mock His Word, and He was there, not even aware they were not even aware that he was at the party. He was there at your party. He was there at the club. He was there in Vegas. He was there at the dog track. 
And this is where the story gets interesting. At some point, what the world has to offer its very best, the Bible said, and they ran out of wine. Don't ever tell your children, there's nothing the world has that's any good. Those people are miserable. Sin is fun for a season. But there comes a time when the party always, every time, runs out of wine. And you find yourself partying without wine. They were dancing. They were hooping and hollering and carrying on. But they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. Wine in the Bible represents, listen to me carefully, sustainable joy. Something has happened. It was fun. It was exciting. It was intoxicating. It was amazing. It was a thrill. But always what the enemy offers you, it starts out amazing and he gives you the best first. But they ran out of wine. Something had gone out of the party. And I was thinking about this as I was studying this story. And that's really what happens is every time something goes out of the party, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much money you have. It's not enough to sustain joy. At some point in this life, circumstances come. And if your, if your joy is centered in money and titles and power and party and people and popularity and fame and fortune, it will run out of wine. There is no sustainable joy in anything in this life. Do you know what it is to have something go out of it? Still celebrating, still partying, and the, run, the wine runs out. Still laughing, but the jokes aren't funny now. Still acting like you're having a good time and going through the motions, but really you just wish you could go home. Still in the arms of somebody who you thought would be enough, but now you're finally waking up that the wine has gone out of the party. You're partying without wine. That job that you thought you couldn't live without, and if I could just get that position, that career, that job, oh, that will be my source of joy and happiness and success in life. But... You're partying without wine now. The job's not enough. That car, that home, that career, that paycheck, now it's dull. Something has gone out of the party. The party is not what you thought it was. Every time, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much fun you're having, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But there will come a time when the party will not be enough. The party's not what you thought it was. And what blessed me about this story is the extreme patience of Jesus. He's watching people curse his name. He's watching people mock. He's watching people in doing things and involved in things. And with extreme patience, he comes to our party not to condemn us, not to get us, not to hurt us, but he sits there 
And he waits patiently in line as we try this and we try that and we replace him with this and we replace him with that. You'll just sit in the corner and let you carry on until you find out the party scene is not as great as you thought it was. The money doesn't have the power you thought it had to give you joy. The person doesn't fulfill you like you thought they would. They're having a wedding, but they're partying without wine. It was only then that the party ran out of wine that the spotlight hit Jesus. Up until that point, everybody's looking at the bridegroom and the bride and the, look at that celebrity and look at that person. Wow, so-and-so's here. Ooh, he's so rich. Look at her. Look at that outfit. They're all noticing that. But as soon as the party ran out of wine, suddenly the spotlight hits Jesus. And isn't it funny how we can focus on everybody and everything until we run out of wine and suddenly there's an emergency. All of the sudden, the party crowd, the joy is not there. They, the champagne is being replaced with real pain. Something's gone out of the party. And we're laughing, but I remember when I was in sin. I remember when I started feeling something go out of the party. I couldn't get high enough. I couldn't get drunk enough. I couldn't get far out there enough because something was missing. And I've come today to announce that the church has come to the world's party. If COVID-19 has done anything to the world and especially to this nation, America, it has caused us to realize that we're partying without wine. Even as powerful as Hollywood is down the road, something's gone out of that party. Even the powerful clubs and a, a, a culture that thrives on the party life and the scene and the vibe, something has gone out of the party. And we've been overlooked as Christians. We've been not noticed. We've been laughed at, mocked by talk shows, ridiculed by movies. And even in history, the Christians were thrown in snake pits and burned alive and crucified upside down. But we are still at the party. And it's a time now like never before for us to take the spotlight and put it on the only one who can offer a broken world sustainable joy. I'm not talking about joy because your life is perfect. I'm not talking about joy because you've got a beautiful everything in your life. And, and, and I'm talking about a sustainable joy that when the trials come, when the heartbreak comes, when the pain comes of life, and it comes to all of us, there is something that can sustain you. You do not run out of wine when you have Jesus. I'm not always joyful out of my mind, but I have a deep settled joy down in my soul that says what I have, the world did not give and the world cannot take away. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's my Jesus. Put the spotlight on him. 
If you're in sorrow, if you're in pain, put the spotlight on him. If you don't know where to turn to and you're depressed and fearful and you feel no hope and you're addicted and you put the spotlight on him, he is the sustainable source of joy. What you're missing, only Jesus can give you. Verse 6 said that Jesus then said to them when his mother made him, he didn't want to do the miracle, his mother made him. His mother pulled the trigger on his destiny. Isn't that something? His mother, he, he said, he called her, I didn't, I didn't read the verse. He said, woman, what have I to do with you? I, I don't, this is not time, trying to talk to his mama like that. His mama said, just, just he turned, to, she ignored Jesus. And said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Said it to the servants. And then she looked at him and said, boy, don't make me. <laughs> and Jesus, the son of God, but the son of Mary, said, bring me the six, everybody say six, six. water pots. And fill them with water up to the brim. Those ceremonial water pots were old religious pots that were used. The high priest would wash and the people would wash before they went into the holy place. They'd been around for decades, six of them. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of sin. The Antichrist number is 666. He said, fill them, six of them, with water. What I want you to understand is God can take old pots and perform new miracles. God can take old things, and you may have been in this a long time, or you may be going through a lot of things, and you've accumulated a lot of sorrow in life, but God knows how to bring new miracles to old pots. God knows how to bring new wine to old marriages. God knows how to bring new wine to old situations that have been prolonged and going on a long time. God can take something used and abused, and He can turn it into a miracle. And he said, bring me, bring me the water and I'll give you wine. They brought these huge, these huge barrels, we would call them, or ceremonial pots, six of them, filled with water to the brim. Filled with water to the brim. That's so important. And, and Jesus said, I'll turn the water into wine. If he would have turned grapes into wine, that's one thing. If you want orange juice, you need some oranges. It needs to be the same component. If, if you want apple juice, you need some apples. But Jesus was saying when he said, I don't need grapes to make wine. I want you to fill them full of water. He said, I'm not asking for anything that remotely resembles wine. I'm going to make it into what it cannot make itself. Wine is weak. Our, our water is weak, wine is strong. Water is cheap, wine is expensive. Water is tasteless, wine is intoxicating. And Jesus said there's nothing in the water that can make it from weak to strong, from cheap to expensive, valuable. There's nothing in it that can make it from tasteless to intoxicating and powerful. I'm the only one. Bring it to me. And when you get in the power of my presence, I can turn weak things strong. I can turn cheap things valuable and expensive. I can turn weak things into powerful things. 
just the power of my presence. I'm telling you, you're in the presence of the Lord in this room right now. Suddenly, he said, fill those pots to the brim. I don't want any room for anything else in there. You know what, you know what that represents? He said, and once you get them filled, bring them to me. When you know what you're full of. And six is the number of sin. I don't want you approaching me talking about you're a pretty good person and you're better than so-and-so and at least I tried. And I no, I, don't want you I want you to come to me and approach me like this. I know what I'm full of. I'm full of self. I'm full of rebellion. I'm full of sin. I'm full of lies. I'm full of deception. I'm full of adultery. I'm full of, 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 of evil. I'm full of wrong. I'm full of it. And here I am, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I come. And when you recognize what you're full of and you bring it to Jesus... He's not afraid of what you're full of. If you're full of lust, if you're full of uncleanness, if you're full of addiction, if you're full of drugs, if you're full of alcoholism, if you're full of... He's not afraid, but He wants you to recognize what you're full of. And when you get honest and when you get pure enough to say, I'm full of it. He says, now that you're in my presence, I can turn water into wine. And when you see that, you can evolve into what God wants you to be. You're full of it. You can't evolve into the dad God wants you to be. You can't evolve into the person God wants you to be. You can't get a self-help book that's going to change you to make you the dad, the mom, the husband, the wife, the person that God's called you to be. There's nothing in you that can evolve from water to wine. It takes the personal power of Jesus' presence. And, and when they put that water in front of its creator, the water blushed in the presence of its creator and the water turned to wine because if he wants it, that's what I become. He made me. He can make water out of wine. Turn to somebody and say, I know what you're full of. I'm almost done. Can I preach five more minutes? What got me about the story, I preached the whole sermon just on this, on this next point one time. Jesus said something strange after the miracle happened. He said, he said, take the first dip of this new wine that I've made, this sustainable joy. That, and I want you to go to that governor. I want you to go to that powerful guy, that dignitary, that celebrity, that person who, 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 who is used to the best. That person who actually thinks in their mind they have a preconceived idea that what this pitiful little thing from Jesus is offering me compared to the bigness of my world and my life. This is pathetic, but I'll give it a sip. And they took that to that powerful man. And when he sipped it, he was astonished. He said, usually they bring the best wine. He's giving you a clue in how the devil works. 
He offers you the best thrills first. And the longer you stay at his table, the more he waters it down and waters it down and waters it down and brings it till at the end is pitiful. You end up in the pig pen like the prodigal eating slop. The governor had a preconceived idea and he said, man, whoa, this is what Jesus offers. Let me hit that again. Whoa, man, I'm so... This is better than what I expected. Actually, I've never tasted anything like this. I didn't know this brand of Jesus juice. It, I did not know that it could do this for me. I thought my money, my money, or my power, or my titles, or my, my prestige, I thought it. But compared that, compared to this, I want to tell you the church is not what you think it is. I want to tell you walking with Jesus is not what you think it is. You think it's some little thing where you just come, pray a little prayer, and then you go live your life and do your thing. No, when you really encounter the power of the presence of Jesus, and when you feel His love invade you, and when you feel His Holy Spirit begin to fill you with a sustainable joy that is not from this world, and, and I, can, I can go through hell, but I can have peace in my mind, I can go through grief, but I can have a joy that is unspeakable. I don't even know how to proclaim how I have this, but I have this settledness inside of me. This is better than I thought it was. It exceeds my expectation. He saved the best for last. If it's ordinary, it's man. If it's extraordinary, it's God. I can't compare it. I don't have anything to compare what Jesus can do for you. It's not a fake thing. It's not a pretend thing. The stuff that we've walked through as a family this year... The only thing that has sustained us is Jesus, the power of His presence to turn weak into strong, cheap into highly valued, weak and tasteless into intoxicating. It's not mind over matter. It's the power of His presence. And when you get in His presence, there's hope. And when you get in His presence, there's a joy that begins to come. And when you get in His presence, there's a lifting of the heaviness of life and the burdens of life and the sorrows of life. It's all in His presence. And, and what I'm praying for is that somebody will take a sip this morning. Because everything you, it's, it's better than you think it is. You, you have a preconceived idea of what Jesus is and Christianity is. And you've never, you cannot know it up here. You have to experience Him. I close with this. 
But Jesus walked and talked with his disciples from that day forward after he performed that first miracle. He would, he would do massive major miracles, multiplying of food, raising the dead, all kinds of miracles. But finally he died and he rose from the dead and he turned to his disciples and his resurrected body and he said, now I'm going to leave you. And they said, Lord, we've had such a party and, and it, this party is just getting going now that you're resurrected. I mean, we're back. no, I'm leaving you, but I've saved the best for last. I'm going to go away, but I'll send you, listen to the word in John 16 or John 14. I'll send another comforter. Who is it? He's called the Holy Spirit. And he will dwell and live with you forever. And he will notice the comforter. Jesus ascends on a cloudy elevator. The hundred and five hundred, but only a hundred and twenty stayed for 50 days in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And while they're in that upper room, they've been up there, but they're partying without wine. They're partying, they're partying, partying. They're, they're, they're going along, they're singing, they're, they're worshiping, they're praying, but there's no wine. Because Jesus is gone. There's no miracles. Because Jesus is gone. They're partying without wine. But Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the place where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And Simon Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. And, and, and this is that blessing. This is it. This is what it is. This is new wine. This is the Comforter. This is the Holy Spirit. And He will never lift and He will never leave until the trumpet sounds. We're going to leave this world and the world will be partying without wine then. But right now, we have the Holy Spirit. And He says, I can help you carry the load and make you an overcomer. And I can even take the most painful episodes of your life because I'm not through writing your story. Mm. I'm not through with your family. I'm not through with your pain. I'm not through with your loss. I'm not through with your heartache. I'm not through with your children. I'm not through with your grandchildren. I am the God who brings and turns water into wine and I give sustainable joy. I cause even what the enemy meant for your evil to turn out for the good. How? I don't know how, but he knows how. And he's there. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.